be kissing my white ass. Everybody been laid out, but you. Yo, Steiner! Flair, I told you I'd talk to the man, Eric Bischoff. Next Monday night in Panama City is indeed going to be a night of champions. Every championship will be up for grabs. You gonna get out in here right now and kiss on this. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are coming to our probably our last show for the year, just going to be honest, because uh, the holidays are coming up and I'm really lazy <laughs> and I'm going through some things at the moment. So we'll see if we get together one more time. But what do you have for us as we end 2019? Well, we uh, it is Monday. We're off the hills of the... Of, We're recording on Monday, right. yes. We're off the hills of probably one of the biggest... Uh, wrest- TLC. Wrestling weekends of around with TLC. You had... Uh, I N- can't believe you you NW- actually incorporated TLC into one of the biggest wrestling okay, weekends listen, of the year. Listen, A A card that was literally made in a week and a half. And yeah, even then... And I didn't watch a single match of it. Didn't miss much. You didn't miss much, my friend. I heard something about... Uh, Daniel Bryan returning. And he did. No he, more beard. He got a haircut because everyone that fights Bray Wyatt reverts to their old character. So we need Luke Gallows versus the Fiend so that we can get Festus back. Ooh. This is his gimmick: is that if he beats you, you have to revert to your worst. He gets to pick your gimmick, and it has to be from your past. There you go. So that's what's happened. But that's what's happened. So Seth Rollins turned back into a dick, and now Daniel Bryan has cut his hair and turned back into the Daniel Bryan of old, the the one that was getting pinned in seven seconds by Sheamus. Yeah. So, well, I mean, now he's got an edge. So now The Miz is going to have to start wearing the jorts and teaming with with John Morrison again. So, Well, he's with the company. So he is. I could see that happening. But they re- they really brought him in for his great acting skills and those WWE studio films that are so good as – yeah. Um, you love the chaperone. I know. Oh, it's great. Of all the reviews we did, it's the one that that has been listened to the least, and uh, for good reason. Put my ass to sleep. I, I know you have God. sat through some terrible shows. Uh, I couldn't on, get through. I could. You not. couldn't make it through the chaperone. I How couldn't. dare you? I couldn't. And God, that's such a shitty fucking movie. Oh, I know. Well, what pisses me off about it more than the movie being terrible itself is that the cover art is a school bus. And the bus in the movie is a charter bus. Yeah. This is the very, the smallest detail. This is, you got to get that right. That's I mean, true. there's a reason 
WWE Studios is laughed at in, in Hollywood. Not just because Vince McMahon is a madman, uh, because they're just a shitty, shitty brand. So, uh, what else happened from this wrestling weekend that well, you wanted to talk about? Well, we had uh, NWA Into the Fire. We also had... Into the Fire, where are their products gone since Jim Cornette's uh, yeah. controversy. But you already talked about that last week. I did, I uh, did. But interest in the show, look... It's hard to maintain interest in, it is. In, in wrestling, and so every week the numbers go down, but I still think it's a unique product, and I was interested in the show. Did you watch the show? Do you have any thoughts on it? I did not watch the show. I was actually... You didn't spend the $25. I didn't, because, see, I was in the middle of being a part of my personal show and also sending my shout-outs to... Uh, my good friend, beautiful Bobby Eaton, and his appreciation, his night of appreciation show was uh, Saturday as well. Yeah, and this was all happening. So you had the NWA having a pay per view in Atlanta, and then you had the Bobby Eaton thing in Knoxville. So you were torn. You you, and I had my own personal show that I had to do, and uh, so so you put yourself over over. You put your own interests above those of. Well, if I had to pick, no offense to anyone, I was going to do my show and then Bobby's, and uh, yeah, yeah, and but I still did reach out, talk with Bobby, and uh, congratulated him on a well-deserved night. I put a link that a fan. Uh, yeah, I saw the highlight video that okay. you sent me. It was uh, it was really nice to see that. Uh, wrestlers took time to send videos in. Uh, would have been better had they actually showed up. But, I mean, a guy like Stone Cold Steve Austin isn't going to appear at D1 Sports in Knoxville for uh, a show. That's just yeah. the reality of the situation. And I thought it was very sweet, the, the Jim Cornette having him in the ring with all the people that he, you know, his contemporaries. Yeah, uh, A lot of them... Some of them live in the Knoxville area to have him there, and this was all a big surprise party for him, and to give him uh, this this surprise while he's still with us because he's been in poor health in recent years. Yes, and he has. You never get a these guys just pass away, and you never get to say goodbye right. typically. And this isn't goodbye, but it's nice to honor him because. Something like the WWE Hall of Fame doesn't seem like it's going to because they've missed the boat on so many other people that have passed away. Here you have a guy that is widely respected in the industry and that sadly is just not ever going to get recognition from the top company in the world for right. his contributions. Exactly. And so I made a phone call uh, backstage at my show and was able to talk with him earlier before his show started, after he had gotten there and after I had gotten word from uh, others that he was there and the surprise had then been let out. And uh, just got a five-minute conversation with him on the cell phone. He was ecstatic. He really he was blown away, and it meant a lot to him. And um, for me... He's the end-all, be-all of personal wins for uh, for being starting his career in Chattanooga, for being there when I've needed him the most, and for being there to help others along the way. He's he's in that Terry Funk boat of till the day he dies, he is going to make sure he gives every ounce of what he has knowledge-wise and athleticism-wise, even if it's outside of the ring, even mic skills, whatever, cutting promos, whatever it takes, 
he's going to pass that knowledge on to the upcoming kids of tomorrow. And that that's a big thing with him uh, to make sure that the sport that he grew up with, the sport that he loves, the sport that put food on his table for so long is passed on as well. And that's that's how he thinks. And that's his mindset of professional wrestling. And it's really cool. It's it was he's not brought up as being being well, being think, there being the true workhorse when people needed him well, to Well, I think that has to do with Vince Vince's hatred of Southern wrestling and just the neglect of that breed of pro wrestler in general has largely gone ignored in right. all these DVDs and stuff and all these territories that are highlighted. You know, I mean, but that was Vince's primary competition, so I get his his anger towards but that. But yet, but yet he gave a he gave a nod to the Rock and Roll Express. Hey, now they were in the WWF in 1997 during the NWA invasion, so he they he they were there. So, the one nice thing I will say about the promoters, if they actually stuck to their word, I think it's great that they gave the proceeds to Bobby. They did. And they, and they still put on a, a quality independent show for people that paid the price of the ticket because a lot of times, I mean, wrestling promoters in general, scumbags. Yeah. And they take the money and they run. And also people that try to raise money for wrestlers, these GoFundMes that are organized, sometimes you don't know if the money's actually making it to who needs it. And there's no retirement plan for these independent contractors. There's nothing else. So it's nice that they were able to collect some money for a guy that needs it. Well, yeah, especially. And uh, Gary Michael Capetta, our our native uh, announcer here at retro wrestling podcast he is uh he was there and talked with him briefly and he said it was went off without a hitch the highlight in my eyes of the evening was the fact that william regal got on a on an airplane flew over here and surprised bobby eaton just to be a part of that i thought that was really cool and the fact that WWE, oh the blue buds had a reunion wow the, you didn't notice that no, I didn't see him in the in the he, videos. He WWE. He got the appreciation. He got the nod per se of, "Hey, we'll let you go." And him and um, was Dave Taylor there as Steve, well? Yes, both were given the nod from WWE to take time off to get on the plane, fly over here to the states, and to surprise Bobby Eaton. And uh, so I thought that was really really cool. Yeah, that, that's super nice, uh, and I'm glad that. He appreciated it, and I think we should see more of that uh, in pro wrestling in general. He did because in private conversations, while he loves being, you know, being the Midnight Express, which is what he is and will always be known for, the most fun he had was the Blue Bloods. He says being able to to be a Southern, you know, grassroots Southern redneck wrestler. But yet has this terrible, well, I mean, terrible English accent, and you're having him try to dress up like you know someone from the British in the Revolutionary. Well, War. we were really close. I mean, he basically got Triple H's spot in that group. So in a weird, like someone said, "Yeah, no Triple H. Sorry, we're gonna go with this guy instead." But then Triple H essentially he kept the same gimmick. It was he the can, same, yeah. I mean, it was the same thing when yeah. he when he was Hunter Hearst Helmsley. So, yes. just a very odd 
like six degrees of separation. Like Bob, like to me, Bobby Eaton and, and Hunter would never, ever, you know, have crossed paths. But here in this weird world of pro wrestling, they were both almost part of the same group at the same time. Or, well, right. And Bobby Eaton was actually part of the 2001 um, buyout and did do dark matches for Vince for a very short period of time in 2001 after purchasing WCW. So, And Bobby Eaton has done some stuff behind the scenes as well for a very short period of time in WWE as well. So I think that uh, a Hall of Fame is well-deserved for him and for everyone involved. Yeah, but instead we're going to have Sean Waltman, two-time Hall of Famer, with the uh, announcement of the NWO, but only four yeah. members of the NWO and not... I, I'm trying to understand, how did Waltman weasel his way into that? Because when I think of the NWO, I'm thinking strictly... The three. The three. Or maybe throw Giant in there, Big Show, whatever, but because that was number four. That's all I'm thinking. How the f- well four was was uh, was Ted four was Ted DiBiase, and next week five was yeah, that's right was Giant, and then six was right six. But I'm just saying when I think of it, I think of of that, and so I don't understand. Well, because Hunter runs the company, so hey, True. my boy, you were in this group. I mean. He might sure. as well have put Shawn Michaels in there. Now, I wanted the NWO 2000. I wanted the Harris Brothers, uh, you know, acknowledged. Just like <laughs> just like when, when they inducted Razor Ramon and not Scott Hall. Uh, but yet I, you got Kevin Nash, not Diesel. I know. So, Razor, so Rick Bogner should technically be in the hall because they inducted a character. Yes. E- either induct the character or the person's name. It's weird that they go back and forth all the time. Yes. But it's just really weird that we're getting into two-time Hall of Famers now, and it's people like Sean Waltman, when originally, for so many years, it was Flair. And it was like, Flair, Sean, and Brett, I think, are the go-tos of deserving it. Well, Hogan. Okay, Hogan. I don't think Waltman. I'll give Booker T. Hell, Booker T. Actually, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Booker I mean, T. Actually, now it's now everyone's going to be a two, three time. Every group you were ever in. Well, Flair's got to be a sixteen time Hall of Famer now. Well, it's just sad that we we're we're getting into these groups because we've had so many wrestlers pass away that we can't do individual. But there are so many I others know, out yeah, there that yeah. you could give the nod to while the time is still here, and it pisses me off that they won't. That that really is a serious problem. A serious, they want to sell some problem. more NWO shirts. Like, and get some more money out of that. So, uh, but yeah, no. Um, the night went off without a hitch. Uh, they presented him with a custom made belt. I hope it wasn't the Fiend belt. That's like seven thousand dollars. No, it was not the Fiend belt. It was a beautiful Bobby Eaton Midnight Express um, custom belt that I Jim Cornette gave to him and uh it was just it was really cool it was it was really cool and but moving off of that we go back to into the fire uh into the fire out of nowhere marty scroll shows up yeah nwa still has a working relationship with roh roh was actually they put on uh, a pay-per-view i think on saturday yeah or sunday they put they had a show the same weekend Friday. Oh, Friday, okay. Friday, because that he, Marty Scroll was at it, 
hopped a plane, showed up in Atlanta Saturday for End of the Fire. And I think NWA definitely needed that to interject some new life into the show. I mean, they have a very limited roster. We've talked about it for a long time. And there's guys on the roster that I like, but when you can only work with the same you can only work with the same five or six guys all the time and, and circle them out. You don't need two hundred and fifteen people like the WWE has, but you've gotta mix it up somehow. And so yeah. congratulations on on getting him in there and to do some tapings because I think that'll bring some more people to the product. He brings and congratulations to ROH for to for re-signing uh, Marty because he's he's the guy. He's their only star. Yeah. And so great move on David Logan and Billy Corgan's part. And I'm interested to see how season two of the weekly show Power how that plays out. From what I saw, I thought they had some really interesting concepts, but then some weeks, like not the finale from this first run, but the episode before that where there was really not much action. I hope that they use this time to reflect and refine the product. Honed in on on what it is, yeah. Yeah, what worked and what didn't. And now they've got a season under their belt. And hopefully they can start making some money with this thing, too, because it is still a business. I mean, Billy Corgan will keep sinking money into it, but you still want to be a relevant company. And and they're more relevant than Ring of Honor at at this moment. And that's pretty crazy considering... They're being talked about on a weekly basis. Yeah, people... Even though tapings happened two months ago. So, I mean... So they've already accomplished... I think they've over-accomplished for what they set out to do. Yes. They've overachieved. So yes. congratulations to them thus far, and we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah. Um, congratulations to them. Uh Congratulations to PCO, your new Ring of Honor heavyweight champion. Crazy the resurgence this guy's had. I mean, this guy was in the brawl for all. The guy <laughs> was. The guy was in the Quebecers. He was uh, the partner with the Mountie for a while. He's been in every company. He's got one eye. And in the last few years was able to use the power of social media to create this character and totally reinvent himself. If you had told me, I don't know, six years ago, Pierre Carl Ouellette is going to be a world champion or be somebody that we're talking about, I'd say, no, no fucking way. Like, yeah. he's a guy that's going to show up to indie shows and get some name value, but he's pro- he's not even going to be in the main event of those. Yeah, but through this character. I mean, that just shows you the power of marketing yourself. Just yes. like what we learned with, with John Moxley in that hype video before he signed with AEW. Like, the power of marketing yourself. Like, there's this wrestler who I've seen locally called Warhorse. And I think Warhorse is a shitty wrestler from what I've seen in the ring. But he does these amazing promos and he puts them out on social media and he has built a brand. And he's going to end up getting signed because it's more about your brand. It's more about your character that that gets eyeballs than yeah. putting on a five-star classic in a high school gym because that, that's impressive, but that's not, that's not what makes money. Right. 
So congratulations to PCO for figuring this thing out because for years he hadn't. For years he was just part of a tag team, just a guy, just just a guy. Yeah. And he found a way to, to do it using 21st century technology, using social media and the internet to turn into a massive star. It's crazy to think that he worked for Vince in the late 80s. Late 80s now. Early 90s. WCW in the late 90s. And now here in 2019, still relevant, still working, and not only that, the world's champion of Ring of Honor. Of, yeah, a a mid-major promotion. Now, Ring of Honor has lost a lot of value since they lost their partnership with New Japan and the and losing Cody and the Bucks and their big stars. So they're not they're not as they're not as prestigious as they once were. And with also with Impact getting the Axis deal, they've dropped even further. And so it's an accomplishment, but at the same time, it kind of tells you where Ring of Honor is, too. I think it would have been even hotter a few years ago when ROH was hotter. We're just in a real weird time as far as the power dynamics of wrestling and, and who's on top. And there's not, there's not necessarily a power struggle so much as I think of it as like a horse race, okay? WWE's always been the go-to, all right? Always the throw your money down, you're guaranteed some some kind of a payoff. AEW comes out. All right, they're making a little bit of money, you know, on this first couple of races. But then you turn into having NWA, Ring of Honor, New Japan. Everyone's starting to kind of sort their shit out. AAA's becoming a more weekly monthly discussed company here in the states uh and so yeah because i mean I yeah get, and i mean new japan trying to expand in the states like yeah there's wwe is still going to be the 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 market leader the name brand but but for, but for how long shit's I, changing and it's changing I, quick i don't think they're in any danger i, I mean their tv deals They've got five years where they don't have to worry about a damn thing as yeah. far as money. Yeah. Doesn't matter if they're good or bad. That's signed, sealed, delivered. Yeah. After that, we can talk and see and and start to reevaluate. But for the foreseeable future, they're still going to be the leader. And right now, you just have a lot of reorganization in the middle and where it's all going to shake out and where the order of things go. And do they stay that way, or do we see, do we see an ROH like do do we see Sinclair sell ROH and just merge with the NWA? Do you see like there's a lot of unanswered questions that will sort themselves out over the next few years? But it's a very interesting time to be a pro wrestling fan. Yes, uh, an interesting time. Actually, an interesting uh, worker as well to be in the business because. There is different avenues out there, but it's it's also how bad do you want those avenues? How bad how much are you willing to sacrifice because these avenues aren't open to just anyone. 
you gotta you gotta dig deep and 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 be willing to i know the boys we've always said you know pay your dues now paying your dues is going to be just a little bit rougher than it has been in the past and so the outcome is there how how much of the work are you willing to put in i think is uh is a lot to do with it as well and also to their credit we've had in the past couple of weeks wwe granted some releases for those disgruntled wrestlers for a few of them not all of them but luke harper sincara the ascension which i mean i don't think anyone is clamoring for the ascension to to come to their organization but they got released so, so Luke Harper did get released. He is a free man after his non-compete runs out. So well, you know who didn't give a damn about their non-compete? Sin Cara showed up at AAA no more than three days later. They might have waived it for him because they've done that before when wrestlers go to international things. Like uh, when they released Kenta or Hideo Itami, they waived his non-compete because... He's just going to Japan, and to them, they just they don't see that as, and they don't, they didn't value Kenta, and they don't value Sankara. So yeah, and they're not wrestling in the states. Go, go have, go have some fun, you know. Yeah, it's not, and the Sankara character is still theirs. They can put someone else under the mask, so it's not like they're yeah. even going to lose revenue on selling masks or anything. So yeah. Um, but that shows that really surprised me because I thought you're just locked in, and yeah. for some people it's still the case. Like Mike Canellis is still locked in. So you said uh, the Ascension, Harper, and Sincara. Is there anyone else in there? I'm trying to remember if the Colognes. I think the Colognes might no, have go- no, they didn't get no go- because oh they got a wellness violation. They got a wellness violation, which is so crazy. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay, let's get into that. Uh, the wellness violation. Uh, the Colognes is arguing that theirs was actual medication prescribed to them, and theirs was not an actual violation. And so they are disputing well, now. With privacy laws surrounding health matters and stuff, HIPAA laws and stuff, the company can't actually say what it was yeah so wrestlers get the ability to go and lie yeah and the company can't say you're full of shit you tested positive for god knows what yeah because of privacy laws yeah so you see a lot of times like what happened with eva marie where she was like no it was just it was adderall i had it prescribed and then but she did it again and they actually did come out that time and say we can't tell you what it was, but she's not. It wasn't that. And that's as close as they've ever come to actually outing somebody. Out, yeah. There was someone else that got popped, too. And it was crazy because in the Colognes case, they haven't been on TV. No. What are you guys doing? Yeah. I, I guess you got free time. You're sitting around just sort of like what happened to Hornswoggle. Uh, he was not <laughs> being used. He's sitting around at his house one day. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, pee in this cup. He got he got popped and for like smoking pot when pot was still part of the the drug policy and he it was like well yeah I mean I wasn't he just owned up to it I was yeah. like I'm just sitting around at the house not doing anything so you're not using me Bobby Root 
another guy that has not been getting used. Yeah. I mean... Do you think his was steroids? I'm not going to speculate. You never know with... You don't. I, I think... You look at people's bodies and you, you make assumptions, but you never know. You you just... You never know. They just... Uh, they, they've really fucked up with Bobby Roode. They really... They had something great, and it was really going good... And then in a six-month period, they, they really fucked up with it. Oh, but guys guys like Bobby Roode and EC3 and Eric Young, who all ditched Impact, Impact was in a really bad place. And as, as we talk about this seems to be the most recurring topic, <laughs> is they were in a really bad place. And they've been in so many bad places so many times that those guys were all like, I'm out of here. Yeah. And I'm the, jumping shit. This the shit money yeah. was probably really good. And even if it wasn't that good, it's like, I don't know if this company, if Impact's going to be around. So why the fuck not? Yeah. And unfortunately, what happened is when they got there, it was when the floodgates opened as far as WWE signing talent, and they just got lost in the shuffle. And... They went with different people. Yeah. And they're, they get a new toy and they say, oh, well, we're going to play with this toy now. because, But it's happened not just with people from Impact, but Shinsuke Nakamura, Sami Zayn, uh, Kevin Owens. They just it's, – it's so strange. It's yeah. just so strange. But they've just got too many people. There's just too – many people on that roster yeah. for them to have time to get featured. Well, see, and they have so many house shows. They have, at some points in time, they'll have two house shows, on one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast, and then they're doing TV at the same time. Yeah, and they still can't find time to get everybody on. No. And you have these marathon pay-per-views. Like, we, we sat through a seven-hour WrestleMania. Jesus. And... You still can't get even with a battle royal. Yeah. Where you're just putting you're just getting bodies out there. Yeah. You still can't get everybody out there. Yeah. So it's just supply and demand. They've got way too much supply and there's only so much demand. And that's unfortunate. But when those forgotten toys when their contracts are up, even if it's less money because I've the rumor on the street the word on the street is AEW is not emptying the checkbook anymore because now it's a now it's a functioning business. You know, it's one thing when you have a concept, spend the money, spend the money. But now it's an actual you see a balance sheet at the end of the day, and you can't just be throwing, you can't turn into WCW and just throw money at the wall. Yeah. So some of these guys are going to leave for less money, but they're going to be able to get used, and we'll see who's next to to go in the words of bill goldberg who's next so but uh who i haven't had a chance to see his sit down with stone cold but i'm looking forward to watching that oh that really i didn't know he was yeah he did the next one after the undertaker really okay yeah very interested i don't think austin's going to get too i mean austin is so he makes you feel like you're the most important person in the world (laughs) so he's not he's not going to to dig at Goldberg, but 
the one thing I, I would hope that he asked him about is because, like, in, like, 98, so it's, like, the height of wrestling popularity, and we saw it with Bischoff where Bischoff challenged Vince, so made a challenge that could not happen. Yeah. And he did that on Nitro, and that so that's one thing. But then you had Goldberg go on Jay Leno and sit there and say, well, people say I look like Stone Cold Steve Austin, so Stone Cold, I'm challenging you to a fight. And I just thought, even at the time, I thought, that is so fucking stupid. Yeah. To to call people out for matches that can't happen. Yeah. What is What was your goal in doing that? And I just wish, I hope that Austin gets into that, but I haven't seen it yet. But I want to go home and see it. I did not know. Did it air, I'm assuming, after? Yeah, the... it came on after TLC, but okay. I, it was a, I, that was too late for me. So. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch any of TLC, so I can't You didn't miss you. much there, like I said. So, uh there you go but we'll stick with wwe one more round um lana has come out and said that her and a couple of people involved with the angle of her and rusev have actually received death threats to the point in the extreme of which the fbi has had to get involved for security reasons at WWE headquarters and with her and a couple of others. She's working an angle. She's doing some weird. She's working some weird angle on social media. She's trying to create this character. I think that she, uh, CJ Perry, her real name, I think, uh, she has realized that she is not an in ring worker. And when they tried that avenue with her, didn't work out. And without this angle, with Bobby Lashley and Rusev and the love triangle and all this stuff. She just re-signed a contract with the company. So she's got to find an angle. Total Divas is doing terrible in the ratings. There's a chance it might not come back next year. And I'm not even sure if she was featured on that show anymore or not. She was I, not I, this, this past okay. year. I think because word was said that she was pulled from it to get ready for this angle. Yeah, so I think she's just... She's working some strange angles. Like she also went on the the site Cameo that I showed you where you can order yeah. stuff and she's like charging $250 to like do those messages and stuff. Like even higher than like you can get like Matt Hardy to do it for like 50 bucks or whatever, <laughs> but like so she's she's off trying to make a go of it as a, as a solo star because I think that I'm just, and this is just me reading into it. I think that Rusev is going to leave the company. I agree, and I think she's got, and this is her way of finding her path, and by you know, uh, getting into the rumors and innuendo, and trying to further and turning into a real heel to people on social media, and just it's not like they're not going to be married still. All right, yeah, and, I mean, but she has to if he walks. She's not the ravishing Russian anymore. She's got to come up with a with somewhat of a new gimmick. A it's new probably style. the hardest thing in pro wrestling to not only be female because that I mean we've seen that yeah how long it took for them to be recognized as as athletes, but then to be female and not be featured as an athlete, but to find another role in the company that's not demeaning that you're doing your own thing that you're and you're respected and this is a soap opera storyline and she probably loves 
she probably loves the attention it's getting from wrestling fans about how much they hate it. Yeah. Because that's helping her kid. Like like I said about PCO, she's building something. Yeah. There's something being built here because that's the only reason I can see that this is that she's going along with this because yeah. it's just a really bad storyline. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, I think it's just awful. But it's not for me. I, I think, think he didn't. He end up losing at TLC. Yes, he did. Of okay, course. so this is going to keep getting drug out more. Yes, of course. Okay, it's never going to end. No, that's the problem with having gimmick pay per views, though, is because you have to have. Oh, it's called TLC, so we have to have a tables match. This match did not require tables. But what? That's a whole different discussion for another day. But yeah, this this angle is never going to end. All right, so <laughs> until Rusev leaves the company. Which is probably in the near future. <laughs> Not only this, it must be awkward for Bobby Lashley. I believe he's still married, too. He is. He is still I married. Just, I mean, I know it's part of your job. And yeah. actors, it's acting. Yeah. But it's still just, it's like you go home and you look yourself in the mirror. And here's another guy that left Impact at the top of his game. Was their world champion? Was yeah. their superstar at the time was doing this MMA stuff was got his ass kicked in MMA <laughs> but he was he was at the top of his game in impact and left and came and now he's doing this cuck angle it's just really yeah. weird speaking of MMA I believe uh Alberto Del Rio got his ass handed to him yes I haven't seen the fight but from a, what I heard is this seemed like one of those kind of a worked shoot fight where I mean he does have a history in MMA yeah but Tito Ortiz very much past his prime as far as way past shoot, his prime. as far as shoot fighting yeah and I think it was just it was a gimmick fight it was a lot like you're uh, saying fixed or are you saying I I mean I can't say that, but it's it's is it, is it it's your... something like it reminds me of like um, Bellator once put on Ken Shamrock and Kimbo Slice, yeah. and in no world would Kimbo Slice defeat Ken Shamrock. I'm sorry, there's just no. Yeah, I don't buy that. Kimbo's either. knees were terrible. His ground, his footwork was awful. There's a reason he got cut from the UFC, even though he drew more eyeballs to the Ultimate Fighter than anyone else. He's, he has an over-the-top personality. But he that fight, if you go back and watch it, looks very... It could have been possibly fixed. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, what happened with Alberto Del Rio. Strictly opinion? Totally not, opinion, yes. That, we're not saying strictly opinionated. But okay. All From right. what it sounds like, I didn't see the fight. Oh, I I haven't either. So I don't care for either of those guys, honestly. I I'm not a fan of his at I, all. Yeah, I, I never have been. We've talked about it Del before. Rio. I could care less for. I just I don't agree. Yeah, I. Yeah. All the right. best part of his act was Ricardo Rodriguez. That guy should have stuck around. I agree. And he did for a little while. He was uh, commentating. I think with uh, Carlos Cabrero. He was sitting in over there on the Spanish announce table for yeah. a little while. It's a shame they didn't keep him around. He was he was excellent. Oh, um, I heard that now they're sitting uh, Samoa Joe at the table. Samoa Joe has an injury. I think it's to his hand. I think it's to his thumb, maybe. Um, so Dio Madden 
when they reworked the announced teams, it was very surprising they brought Dio Madden in because Dio Madden was very green, had only done 205 Live a little bit, uh, maybe NXT once or twice. Vic Joseph had a little bit more experience than he did. But it was very strange that Tom Phillips and Byron Saxton got left in the cold. Not saying that they were setting the world on fire as announcers, but that they were left and that they brought Dio Madden in. What do they do? I haven't seen um, neither one of those since, actually. Uh, Tom Phillips filled in for Mauro Ronaldo a couple weeks ago when he missed an episode of NXT. But Byron has been on the pre-show panel. Okay. I think they do that. I think they might be on the bump that morning show they do on the network every once in a while they're still doing they still work there yeah i don't watch it either i'm not watching any wwe produced talk show even backstage with cm punk which has been exactly as i predicted nothing there's just nothing to that like he offers nothing it's just i thought it was a one-off i didn't see him back on there the following well he doesn't do it every week yeah but when he does yeah he doesn't say anything that's It, that's controversial which is, which or is very depressing it, it, it is very, but hey it's a it's it's a paycheck it's very sad and very depressing um i think it might have been stressful for dio to have vince in his ear for the first time ever i personally thought he was doing okay especially with lawler there i thought for a three-man booth they were working well together but it appears that dio wants to go back to being a wrestler and that's what he was training for at the Performance Center when they realized he was such a great talker. He's a former football player. He's very tall. God, he's a massive man. He yeah, when Lesnar over, picked him up. He towered over Lesnar when he stood up face-to-face with him. And Le- when Lesnar picked him up, it showed really the— Yeah, because I had I'd never seen him stand— like, I just hadn't paid much attention yeah. to actually the size of this dude. Yeah. And so I think he, he would rather— try his hand in the ring before he goes all in on the commentary thing and in the meantime joe has done a great job filling in and he's there until his hand heals and i'm hopeful though that they don't tell him you're not getting back in the ring because i i think samoa joe's a great wrestler oh he's an outstanding wrestler but do you throw away what's working really well for you right now or because, I mean, he's the Taz in my book. Yes, he's. there's been a lot of comparisons made to the new Cole and Taz as him and Vic Joseph. Yes, that very quickly I'm putting them together in that aspect, and which is a great team, which is a huge future with the company out after the fact of you're not breaking your damn yeah, body yeah. down week after week, match after... I mean, I get. trust me, if I have my choice... My heart is to go back in the ring as well, but think long-term. Right, yeah. I mean, there's a reason that Jerry Lawler still wrestles in Memphis because he was able to get this job as a commentator and take it easy and just wrestle when he felt like it. Right. And, yeah, the smarter thing, I and I don't know enough about Samoa Joe because, you know, Taz was so ready to get out of the ring when he sat down at the table yeah i mean he he was he was done he was at the table so damn quick it was like he beat angle and it was like next week it seemed like he was he was at the table and 
I'm not sure Samoa Joe is ready to hang it up. And as The Undertaker mentioned on that thing with Austin, I mean, wrestler mentality in general is it's hard for them to stop. Oh, it, absolutely. It's a rare Austin is the one guy who stopped. I yes. And and give that time. He's gotten a taste, I guess, after Raw 25 and then coming back for the SmackDown thing. I think I give it time. They have probably rolled so many big money offers to him before, and he never took them. So, I think he's very—I think he's happy uh, with his decision. But Joe, I think he thinks there's well, there's definitely something left in the tank as far as his ability. But our he is hitting that age gap, though. I know, and and he's never been pushed to be no. the top guy. And do you? But does he want to be like a Terry Funk and just put people over and just make people and have good matches? That that probably plays into it too. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I, either way, I'm very. I actually watched some of Raw for the first time in the last couple of weeks with him at the table, and I've been very impressed with him. So I haven't watched a single Raw or SmackDown in a good three months. It's, so it's I tough. can't tell yeah. you where it's going. I just know that the Lana and Rusev thing from social media conversations. Yeah, I I know nothing more. It's than hard. That. It's hard to set aside all this time for wrestling every week. In addition uh, to what we do for this podcast, well, which I'm is just go saying, back and watch old shows. So. I'm just saying, I I sit down and, and gladly watch AEW religiously on a weekly basis because I just think they have a better product. But. Uh, we're going to move to the uh, land of AEW here. A uh, couple of just out of nowheres. Vicky Guerrero has signed with AEW and is going to be doing commentary on their AEW Dark. But I would caution them to, you know, use her on TV just because you always run the risk of putting too many, oh, you were in the other company. You well, don't want to be WCW. You don't want to be TNA. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but great. I, I would love to hear what she has to say on commentary. She got a hell. I mean, a hell of a pop when she came out. The tragedy of Eddie's passing gave Vicky the benefit of the doubt to the crowd because had you brought any other wrestler's wife who was still alive, had you brought, like, let's say Linda Hogan in <laughs> to do that kind of role, not going to work gonna be no remember they tried doing something with Shawn michaels's wife uh oh yeah very briefly yeah and well, even even after austin he, and deborah he that's true but they i mean sean's wife they brought her in because i think it's when he that went, was when jbl is broke yes and he went into the sean went into the geratron so he's out for a couple of weeks but yet they had her come in to i guess to fill his place or whatever and that's when jbl used her and all that shit and so um but yeah it that was a that was a cup of coffee in the big times really there yeah that they was, just it's through eddie's legacy that vicky got her opportunity that they gave her as long of a leash as they did and it's a great thing that they did because she turned into be an excellent character yes yes and i mean one excuse me and i guarantee you there's not a house around that that company's not or that that house is not going to blow up and just the crowd start chanting for her either in 
positive or negative. I mean, she's she gets that fan reaction. Not LOD, but it's pretty damn close. Oh, yeah. At one time, I would have said she's like the top heel in the company. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that that's yes. how amazing she, she turned out to be. So. Yeah. Um, another WWE After Dark, I don't... It may have actually been planned. I'm not sure yet. Teddy Hart was... Uh, Released from MLW. Yeah, we talked about this last week. But he was then on AEW AEW Dark in the fans ringside, not a seat, but standing there at the guardrail. And it was shown on the hard camera, zoomed in, you knew who it was. I think this is a cancer that they do not need to let in their locker room. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, and I'm afraid that they just signed a deal with him. No, nah, I, I really think he just bought a ticket or just got hooked up with with coming in there because, yeah, they, they know better. They're you, not... I'm they're, hoping. I'm hoping. They, they, they should know better by now. Uh, last, but certainly not least, Jericho had a... He called a backstage meeting. Um... At which point in time he wanted to go ahead and it was more or less brought out towards Phoenix and uh, Penta, reminding them that tagging in matches is a key part of tag matches. And that he had noticed that they a lot of tag matches in AEW had gotten away from doing tag ins and outs and so it was hard for the fans to keep up with who the legal man was it was making referees look like assholes and not realizing what the hell they were you know well he's not legal well he might be whatever is making them look stupid and so he called it's tough on commentators too he called he by himself jericho called a backstage meeting with all the talent and and basically more or less said hey you, you uh, he, he he did a podcast and told the entire story. You can look it up. But I sum it up from what he said into this. Hey, you need to cut that shit out. And it's called tag team wrestling for a reason. And it's worked for this many years. What the hell makes you think you can change it? And it's going to screw it. It's, it's screwing up everything. And he brings a great point to it. Well, unless you are doing WCW six-man cruiserweight luchador rules, where those were amazing matches. And he even said something was brought up. The Lucha Dragons uh, said, well, we're from, you know, from Mexico, and that's how we do it. And he goes, you're telling the wrong dude. He goes, man, I started my career in Mexico, and we still tagged in and out. So I think um, from this past week's uh, AEW, they were in the tag matches, there were tags. And so uh, I'm assuming that that point was, came across very well and very stern. And it was, uh, it was great, yeah. But hey, AEW knocked it out of the park again this week as well. I want to throw that out there. They are... Jesus, man, they are on to something with the uh, with putting a weekly show together. And I'm saying this just after coming off the heels of you know three weeks ago, saying, man, they got to get their shit together, or they're in deep trouble. So 
they're paying attention, they're listening to the fans, and they know what works and what doesn't work. We'll put it out there, but ooh, that was bad. Let's not make that mistake again. They've seen the criticism on Twitter and stuff of people calling them out on that that stuff because, I mean, the the audience that AEW attracts are hardcore wrestling fans yes. that notice who's legal and who's not and want the rules paid attention to or explain that they're not going to be paid attention to. And um, that, that's, that audience is going to let you hear about it. Uh, whereas a more passive, a WWE, a younger, like a fan, like a dad taking his kid isn't going to care that they, oh, the legal man isn't in there or whatever. Yeah. But a bunch of 20-something, 30-something-year-olds that are just hardcore wrestling Die fans. Die hard, yeah. Yeah, that are mostly men <laughs> yeah. uh, that wanted this alternative because of what they didn't like about the WWE are going to let you hear it every time that you start falling into the same traps that caused you to want to leave WWE to begin with. Yeah. So that's something they've got to keep in mind. And so I'm glad that they're at least having, they're cognizant and they're having conversations about that. Yeah, they're aware and they're making it known that they're aware. So I think that's really cool. But uh, that was it, brother. I wanted to pick a recent addition to the WWE Network, which was the rest of WCW Thunder. They had only had up through about 99. No, they had they had 2000 because we saw Arquette win it, but they didn't have the last year or so of Thunder. And everybody, I think, has seen the last Nitro and knows the simulcast, and it's been talked about a lot. But I wanted to go and revisit the final Thunder because... Thunder was always the B-show. Thunder was forgotten about. The stars never showed up to it. It was moved from its original Thursday night to Wednesday night after SmackDown debuted, and it started getting its ass kicked. And then it got even worse to where they were taping it either before or after Nitro. Like, this final edition was taped. It was taped on the second-to-last Nitro's night because you see the red ring ropes and the same set and everything else. So... I was just curious to see how it ended because I the only image I had ever seen of it was the final image that we'll talk about that's shown uh, with the crew. But just to see what was said, what was set up for that final Nitro, if they had an idea where they were going for the final Nitro. Which they didn't. I got no. out of this. Yes. That they, was a full-blown blindside that morning. Well... The company wasn't actually purchased by the WWF until the 23rd, and this aired on the 21st. Yes. So they didn't know it for sure exactly that they they knew that the shows were ending. They didn't know that Vince was going to buy the IP and select contracts and all that stuff. But they did know that WCW on Turner networks was coming to an end they did know that but yeah they had seemingly they did set up some stuff for that nitro that did not happen yeah and that's after vince had final say over what we're gonna put on this final nitro for you and also what i found interesting was the desperate pleas really from Tanay and Shivani where they were talking about what former champions all Bischoff said all the former champions are invited to Nitro and it almost sounded like they were begging 
please just, fucking yeah. tune in. Out of the well, no, not even just tune in, but out of the goodness of your heart, you pro wrestlers who have guaranteed <laughs> contracts, like Kevin Nash, who never wants to work. Yeah, show up to work on Hogan, Monday. Hogan. Yeah, Hogan. Yeah. yeah. Well, he would sued the company and stuff, so there was not a chance in hell he was going to be there. But like Bill Goldberg, I mean, people like that, you know, that had guaranteed money, but yeah, they didn't fuck. They didn't want to work anymore, yeah. and they could sit at home. And if you offer me the option, Patrick, you can sit at home, still get paid, or you can come to this final nitro and make us look good. Fuck you, I'm sitting at home, you know. Yeah. And so not even a guy like DDP, he had that pre-tape on that final Nitro, but he didn't even show up. Yeah. So that just showed you how bad things had gotten as far as morale and that the talent with the contract, it was just all out of control. And you really got a sense of that here. But you also, the thing that was really crazy to me as this show opened, the first couple of matches I thought were really fucking good. Yes. And I thought there was some real potential it's just they got there too late. The ship had started to sink by the time these individuals you got weren't, there. You weren't pl- you you couldn't plug the hole that was so massive that WCW was on its way out. Yes. Oh, that lovely WCW logo that I hate so and the swoosh, the blue star WCW logo which they were very confused about their logo at this time too because they had the star logo, they had a different variation of the star logo, and then they had that red, that awful font WCW spelled out. And then following that, they had the invasion WCW logo. When they went when they went to the WWF, they had that invasion WCW logo looked awful. So this logo was a fucking mess. And logos to me, I've brought it up before. It's they're just you can't you've got to be very careful when you fuck with logos. Yes. Because your logo is part of your brand. That's your that's your main eye image of your brand. Right. And every change that the WWF has made with their logo has been very careful and very strategic and very it's not overwhelming the change, okay? Even from the the block, uh, the original gold, like from the '80s into the new gen with the kind of the the tilted, and into the scratch logo, it all felt like a very natural progression. Yes, where these WCW logo changes felt like you just totally threw threw it out the window, yeah. and you can't you can't do that. That'd be like if Coca Cola suddenly said, you know. We're going to go with a green can. Yeah. We're going to change, and we're going to change the font that we use. And we're just going to see how what happens. You can't build iconic brands if you fuck with the logo. There's a reason when people see that apple with the chunk missing, everyone knows what the fuck it is. Yeah. So, WCW... In, in typical, there's so much WCW <laughs> within this episode. <laughs> there's so much bad... That you see why and what happened. It, it's from top to bottom. Every department, every <laughs> everything was just so music, fucked. Music. Oh yeah, the music choices, the the lighting, the just everything was just bad. <laughs> it's amazing that you can get everything wrong 
at the same time. And this company did it. We get the WCW logo, and then we get a recap of which I have no idea what the fuck is going on. And what's weird is you and I watched the pay-per-view that that this came off the heels of, Greed, or whatever it was. And so I knew kind of what happened then, but I'm seeing Dusty Rhodes, who was not on this show, also not on Final Nitro, so... We're, we're talking about Dusty Rhodes for some reason, even though that was settled at the pay-per-view. And then just crazy. It was, I'll include it here. You try and just listening to this, tell me what the fuck is going on for someone that <laughs> just flipped this on TBS one night. So, of course, Dusty Rhodes wanted Ric Flair to kiss his ass, which he ended up kissing a donkey statue instead of Dusty's ass. That wasn't a statue. That was a real donkey. I, I didn't pay that much attention to it. I, I tried to block this out of my memory. Of, of one of the greatest of all time having to kiss a donkey's ass. That no, I, I remember when we reviewed that match, the match worked because it was Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair in the ring and all that extracurricular yes. around it with the you kissing my ass and this. And that the crowd didn't give a fuck about that. that it was in Jacksonville where these guys had made their bones and all they wanted to see was just Ric Flair be Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes be Dusty Rhodes. And it worked. It worked. But then they had all this bullshit going on, too, uh, around it, which soured, which, again, you just can't... Don't mess with It's WCW, so you just got to make it awful. You just got to find a way to tinker with it enough to leave you saying, eh... Yeah, just icky, icky stuff. We get the clip of Booker T announcing that he spoke to Eric Bischoff, and this is from the Nitro where they played the tape of Bischoff saying, next week's the Night of Champions, we don't know if wrestling's going to be on TNT, call TNT and beg them to keep us, and Fusion Media is, we're fucked, we don't know what's going to happen, sorry, see you later, bye. A pre-taped phone call from Eric Bischoff, who, again, didn't show up to final nitro or this i mean didn't even show up to make that announcement so at that particular point in time i think he was told like well he knew he was cooked so yeah because it was two weeks out right no it wasn't even two weeks out was it i'm not sure the timeline but i'll have to go back and look i think it was only a week out not even that that he found out hey he must have found out before making that phone call, I mean, before that tape message, which would have been, if this aired on Wednesday the 21st, so the 20th is Tuesday the 19th, so he probably found out over the weekend, so he yeah. probably found out so it four was or five week. days ago. Yeah, but I'm saying it was a solid seven to eight days before the final Nitro of, hey, uh, we're not selling to you. Up until the press release came out on Thursday, I think that Bischoff still thought there's a way I can still save this. Which means, I mean, which also understands why he wasn't with the, wasn't there because Bischoff was a work hard workhorse when it was something that he thought he needed. And he probably was trying to pull strings and call friends and everything else nonstop, trying to make it work. Get some investors, yeah. yeah. Something. If you're trying to get me to invest in in WCW, then here's some snake oil, you know, for sale. <laughs> I mean, no fucking way am I giving you any money for that. 
I'll invest in Beanie Babies before I invest in WCW. The Thunder intro plays, and it's even worse than the Monday Nitro theme. It's just noise. Which, the Thunder theme, the original one with the the claps of thunder and stuff, it wasn't great to begin with, but this this was even worse. Shivani welcomes us to Wednesday Night Thunder, and boy, they... Even though this company had no more money and they were about to go out of business, they they let their pyro budget go because they they blew everything up here. They might they should have just blown up everything at the end of the final nitro. Once Ric Flair and Sting shook hands, they should have hit a button and <laughs> blown the ring up. I mean, after they got out of it, that would have been a perfect finale to the whole thing. Just actually, literally blow the thing down. We get a cruiserweight tag match up first, as they had just introduced these cruiserweight tag belts at the pay per view. And yeah, ha- a week, a week, a fucking seven days week. That these what, ta- what a memory. <laughs> that these tag titles were in existence. And so this division was in existence for a week. So we have a tag match to set up some future contenders for titles that won't ever exist again after Monday. Who walked away with those titles, by the way? Because those... Ray and Kidman. They did actually end up... Yeah, they were the final champions, and so they have the belts. They have the belts. They do. All right. And coming out first, it's Air Raid. With Air Styles and Air Paris, who you may know better as the phenomenal one, AJ Styles and Air Paris, because Nobody Air Paris, knows. yeah. I mean, you could just look at this guy, and, and I'm sorry, there's he doesn't have... He's an indie wrestler-looking guy. I'm sorry. like I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he stays in touch with AJ to this day. Like I'm sure they're friends. But And you could tell the difference in their skill level, too, in this match, that one of these guys is probably going to be pretty good. They're taking on the Young Dragons, Jimmy Yang, before he was a cowboy, and Kaz Hayashi, one of the most underrated performers in WCW. Jimmy Wang Yang. Styles starts against Jimmy Yang. Styles counters a tombstone attempt with a head scissors takedown. He charges Yang, who just belly to belly tosses him into the post, which looked insane. Air Paris then super kicks Yang to take him down. Kaz Hayashi hits a double stunner across the ropes and then moonsaults onto both members of Air Raid. He hits a springboard kick that takes Air Paris out of the ring. Then he runs into. The Styles Clash, before it was called the Styles Clash, (laughs) and it only gets a two count. I know. (laughs) This awesome looking move, which by the way, the audio sweetening of the crowd here, because the crowd didn't react that much to, I mean, a few of them popped because like, holy shit, what the fuck was that? They've never seen that before. But the rest of the night for stuff, boy... I always hated pre-recorded SmackDown because WWF and WWE would just audio sweeten the shit out of it and and just make make chants and cheers that just weren't there. But they did it here on Thunder, too, because people were sitting on their hands and it sounded like the place they were losing their minds. And this building, by the way, was small as fuck. Fucked. Oh, and it's dark. I mean, they did not want you to see how they empty darked it was. It, it really, but you could still see the walls. Yang takes AJ out with a clothesline and then takes over on Air Paris but gets DDT'd for a near fall. Air Raid hit the crash and burn, which is a double gourd buster to Yang for a near fall. Mike Tanay mentions that 
Bischoff invited all the former champions to be at Final Nitro, which was still being called the season finale. Also, this episode of Thunder still being called the season finale. So there was still hope at this time that there'd be another season. There wouldn't be. Yang hits a running powerbomb to Paris but can't cover him. Kaz Insiguri's AJ Styles falls it up with a nasty roundhouse kick to his face. Air Paris hits an inverted Death Valley driver to Kaz, but it wasn't a burning hammer as Kaz landed on his belly, but still, it was insane looking. Yang hits a cradle pile driver to Air Paris for a near fall, which was sick looking. AJ breaks up the count. Styles hits a rolling German to Jimmy Yang and then drops him on his face. Styles climbs to the top, but Yang stops him with a drop kick. Yang goes for Yang time, but Styles shoves him off the buckles. Air Raid then lift Kaz up for a power bomb off the turnbuckle, which they fucked up because they cut it. They this was a pre-taped show and they must have dropped fucking Kaz directly on his head here because it almost looked like they were going to do a super double styles clash off the top or some crazy shit yeah and just got over ambitious and fucked it completely up and to where they just had to cut to the crowd and next thing you know we're in the middle of the ring yeah so Air Raid, then double power bomb Hayashi. Yang hits a Mishinoku driver to Air Paris out on the floor. Hayashi hits an inverted bulldog to Styles. And this inverted bulldog, after all these sick, insane double moves, uh, pile drivers, released Germans, Styles clashes, no. A Kaz Hayashi inverted bulldog to AJ Styles is what gets the win for the Young Dragons. But these four guys went out to try to get a job with somebody because they beat they, they, the piss out of each other. They, yes. Yes. And I love this match. Other than the botch that they had to cut around, God, this uh, was awesome. Yes. I consider match of the night. <laughs> yes. It, it's very sad that this was right out of the gate and it doesn't get much better than this. Although, I don't know, next match is pretty damn good too. Yeah, I thought the next match and then... Then, I, then I'd say... We slowly worked our way down. Yeah. Um, but you could see God, so much potential dude. in AJ Styles. Yes. Like, it's a shame that he didn't get there sooner. Or, Young Dragons, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, all, all those guys. Even those three-count guys. There was a lot of potential in this cruiserweight division that was fresh and yeah. doing stuff that even the Lucha guys that were the the lifeblood of the early or the mid-'90s WCW cruiserweight division... These guys were doing stuff that they weren't even doing. And so, yeah, there's a lot of potential here. So had Bischoff been able to save this company and keep this division going, I that there's something there was something there. Yes. They were in the works of having something great. And these guys are these guys here, they were doing stuff here at this time that is just now being seen. If that makes sense, yeah, they're doing they're doing stuff they're, that they're twenty years into the future almost. Yeah, yeah, some of this stuff is commonplace now. Yes, and but I mean, for yeah, for two thousand one, this was pretty cutting edge yes, stuff. Very. We go to break and we get highlights from Greed, where the Rhodes made Jarrett kiss his ass on Nitro. They made Flair kiss a fake donkey's ass. You say it was a real donkey. I think so. it was. 
It could have been a fake one. Anyway, so this was somehow still continuing, even though it was totally resolved at the pay-per-view. They wanted to continue this for some reason. Uh, the natural Dustin Rhodes then comes to the ring for his final WCW appearance, as uh, he was not on Final Nitro either. And he has a terrible dubbed theme music, but he is in really great shape here. And I think he was hoping for another shot at the WWF or whoever. Whoever he was, this. yeah, he was hoping for another job. And so he hadn't told, he hadn't turned into Black Rain yet. So <laughs> Dustin reaches into his duffel bag and brings out a game. And this and this is where the promo died for me, as it was pin the nature on the jackass prop comedy, and my eyes just glazed over and I drifted off into another universe and time. As then he pulled out some chapstick, as he turned into Carrot Top here, just pulling out props. Then mouthwash, of course, because Flair's breath, God knows he needs it. And he ends it by saying, to truly date this terrible promo, Dustin Rhodes says, who let the dogs out? (laughs) Who? 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 Who let the dogs out? This was probably the reason. I'm not going to say it's the exact reason because he didn't leave WWF on very good terms, but this did not help his resume whatsoever. For bringing for a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> he brings out a hotel key card so Flair can take the donkey to a hotel room. Oh. So wonderful. A bestiality joke just uh i'm sure turner was thrilled about this uh, on their last night flair then appears on the turner tron as i'll call it and argues with dustin which flair not present for this show either this was clearly all taped he had gone home for the night if they taped this after nitro he was definitely gone uh <laughs> flair is still the kayfabe owner of wcw so he mentions that Monday, he would, uh, it turned out that was a lie. He was not the owner of this company. He rambles about nothing, and even Ric Flair turned in a bad Ric Flair promo here. This was rough. This was, I'm glad you brought it up, and I hope you include it right here because this was rough. For those of you who missed Nitro, let's watch the B roll one more time. Ooh. Could you imagine how that smells right now? <laughs> man, oh man. Boy. Papa, I love you. You know, I almost feel a little bit bad for the nature boy. Woo! Ric Flair. But then on the other hand, I feel good because I shoved Jeff Jarrett's face in that ass, too. The chosen one. Well, nature boy, I've got some stuff for you. I think you're going to enjoy these. Now, what could this be? He's got something for the CEO here, the nature boy, Rick This Blair. is my favorite right here. 
his favorite. But what is it? All right. This, no. This is pin the nature on the jackass. Didn't we see that Monday? Now what you do, you know, put your blindfold on, spin around, you get real dizzy, you know. Take a little picture of Ric Flair right there. Put it on his ass, and you'll know when you get it on his ass, I promise you. Because when you undo the blindfold, it's going to be a whole hell of a lot uglier. Ian, let's see what else. Oh, yeah, of course we got some chapstick. Everybody needs some chapstick when they're going to pucker up to some ass. Let's see here. Mouthwash. Because God knows he needs it. Who let the dogs out? Woo! Who let the dogs out? He backed that ass up and Flair kissed it. And Flair, one more thing. I reserved a special suite at the Holiday Inn just for you, just in case you and Silver Dollar get a little bit too close, you know, in comfort, so you can have some fun, if you know what I mean. Boss isn't going to like this. Dustin Rhodes! You hear me? I hear you. Do you see me? I see you. Did you enjoy Monday night? Oh, yes, I did, baby. Do you think that made you a big deal? I know it did. Do you think that that impressed people around the world? I don't have to impress anybody. Do you think what you did to me impressed people around the world? I'm asking you a question. You answer me, boy. What was that? I'm asking you if you think what you did to me and the chosen one Monday night made people around the world laugh. Oh, hell yes. Well, again. But now, I'm talking. You're listening. And it's not Eric Bischoff. Not your dad. It's you who is not back in this company, under my employee, my employee, and you know who I am? I'm CEO Rick Flair, 14-time world heavyweight champion, and I'm your boss, and I'm going to make life so miserable for you. You thought you were a big deal on Monday? You had a laugh? Do you know I couldn't walk to the airport? I couldn't get in my car? I walked out to Charlotte. People were laughing. They said you kissed us your own big white ass. It's not funny. I'm a serious personality in this sport. I'm like Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams, Johnny Unitas, Will Chamberlain, Jerry Wilk, all rolling the one. I'm Rick Flair! Easy. But easy. 
I'm talking to you. And the first thing I'm gonna do for you to help your illustrious career take that next step is I'm gonna let you wrestle tonight. I'm done. In the main event. Right off the bat, you're gonna be in the main event. But you know who you're gonna be against? You're gonna be against. It's <laughs> a good. You're gonna be against one of the greatest technical phenomenons of all time. That show the one, the technician, Jeff Jarrett. Fine. And a man who has injured more wrestlers in the last year than anybody in the history of the business. I'm talking about Sting and Nash and Booker T and RDB. You're gonna have Scott Steiner and he's in a bad mood. Scott Steiner's in a bad mood. He's gonna hurt you tonight. He's gonna reach down inside and he's gonna hurt you. You deserve to be hurt. You embarrassed me, now you got hurt. You paid a price. And when you get through it tonight, I'll find something for you to do. If you live through it, maybe another night. You'll have, baby, the dog face coming. You got Scott Steiner and Jeff Jarrett tonight. How about that? How about it? Well, I'll tell you this. I've never walked from any fight, okay? Do you remember this right here? Yes, I know what that means. What does you, that mean? It means the, the four horsemen, idiot. No, idiot. It does not mean the four horsemen. It means kiss my daddy's ass. What? You got it tonight, baby. Anybody you want. Rick Flair is going to have a heart attack. But Dustin Rhodes has to face Jared and the world champion tonight on Thunder. He makes the main event Dustin versus Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner in a handicap match. And right away, my hope for the evening plummeted because you've got a handicap match with two heels having the advantage over the baby face. And I know how WCW books things. So I already, I knew, I knew what to expect. Dustin shows him the four fingers and Dustin says, do you know what this means? Do you remember what this is? And Ric Flair says, of course, stupid. That's a four horsemen, stupid. But Dustin says, no, it means kiss my daddy's ass. Oh, Oh, what a sick burn. This was awful. This should have been edited out. This uh, just, I'm so sorry. And it's a congratulations to Dustin Rhodes for still having a career in 2019. We were singing the praises of PCO, what Dustin Rhodes has accomplished, overcoming all of his demons and this promo. Uh, uh, Congratulations to him for sticking around and still being a relevant member of the pro wrestling community. Up next is the guy with my favorite tights as we get a return of Jason Jett or Easy Money from ECW as the man with... He couldn't decide between pants and a Speedo, so he decided to have both. Let's go with both, see what happens. And with the the stuff cut out, with it's like if Brutus the Barber Beefcake just went all in on the scissors and cut out all the stuff and just had little straps 
to run down. Almost sort of like chaps here, but not quite. I can't really describe Jason Jett's outfit other than it's atrocious. It's a good thing he's a decent wrestler. He's going to take on Kid Cash in his WCW debut and final match. Yes. Isn't that some shit? Yes. And by the way, he's just called Cash in WCW, which is weird because they had a member of the No Limit Soldiers who was called Cash. That's what I was trying to think. So they didn't even bother. Reci- they just recycled the name. Already, I mean, he. What? What's so wrong? Well, you can't have Kid Romeo and Kid Cash. People would get confused, I guess. So here we go. Call one eight five zero two three zero four six six five for tickets for the season finale of Nitro. Which they they blur out the phone number, but leave Tony saying it. So what's the point of blurring out the phone number if they leave it in there? Call the phone number, Alex. I shudder to... I'm sure since they've uploaded this, they've gotten lots of calls. But for the history, since I've done this in the past to try to get (laughs) tickets to the original Raw in 2016 or whenever we started this... We're getting tickets for the last Nitro. I want to see it. We're we're going to get the... All right, let's see what happens. Let's just see who picks up. Thank you for calling Royal American Beach Getaways and the Boardwalk Beach Resort Hotel and Convention Center. Oh, well, it's still located active. Located in beautiful Panama City Beach, Florida. I'll no be damned. Upgrade to a getaway. Congrats. Well, wow. I don't think they have tickets left. Please ask. Please go home and ask. If you are listening to us, call this number and ask. Do you have any tickets available for the last WCW night? That you'd really like to see it. You'd I mean, really like to see it. And when they ask when, give them the date <laughs> yeah. of 2001. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. March 26th or whatever, 2001. See, see if they have any bookings available. Uh, <laughs> Cash hits a diving head scissors out to Jeff on the floor. Uh, then Jet uses the pendulum, which is an inverted Boston Crab surfboard thing, which was really strange. He he just gives up on the hold after a few seconds. Cash hits a somersaulting flip out to Jason Jet on the floor from the buckle that gets ECW chance, as both of these guys were were in from the other company that just went out of business. Jet hits a standing moonsault for a two count. Cash slaps on a shitty abdominal stretch that goes nowhere. Cash hits a corkscrew off the buckles to Jet for a two count. Cash tries a sunset flip, and Jason Jet stops him and then drops him to his knees. And I was certain that Cash had just broken his neck from this inverted pile driver type move. That he kicked out at two. Uh, I mean, these guys, you could tell they were in from ECW because they were going to take super moves and kick out at two. They were going for it all. Yeah. Cash does a lifted pedigree, the moneymaker, but only gets a two count. Jason Jett hits the crash landing or release suplex that John Moxley is currently using in 2019. He does it and gets the win. So welcome to the company, Cash. You lose and you're fired. Welcome aboard. Glad to have you here, kid. (laughs) Thanks for the work. Here's your $20. We'll see you down the road. Don't sue us. Throughout the night, they would plug the main event, which is strange to me because it was such a weak main event, and they just would constantly remind you, just please stick around for this main event. Please, please, please. 
I guess because they knew how bad it was going to be. Flair and Rick Steiner are backstage, and Flair says not to hurt anybody as they were part of the Magnificent Seven. So President Owner Flair had this group of heels that was running the show. And Final Nitro, that all went out the window. Didn't exist anymore. But that this is the remnants of the Magnificent Seven. Cat Ernest Miller is backstage with Mrs. Jones and M.I. Smooth, another Smooth. former member of the No Limit Soldier Gang. Canyon comes out, and he got a big win on Monday night over M.I. Smooth, so it was time to get that win back. He's tagging with Road Warrior Animal, which I love the Road Warriors. I think they were awesome. But the thing is, when you go out on your own, can you not come up with a different gimmick? Why? Because you're a road warrior without the other road warrior. You can be... He's a road warrior. But they know there's somebody missing. It's too identified with the partner. And to not have Hawk there, it just looks so strange just having Animal in his getup as a singles. I think it would have been much cooler if he was... James Laurinaitis and had some kind of different gimmick. He doesn't even have to go by his real name, but just like do something different. I mean, yeah, they know it's Road Warrior Animal, sure, but you can change your character. Like, if Crush went through his career as Demolition Crush, he wouldn't have had a career. He had to change. Road Warrior Animal and Hawk, when they were singles, they just kept the same shit. It's almost like the way they know sold their moves. It's like I'm not I'm not going to change my gimmick. I'm not going to sell moves. I'm just going to be Road Warrior forever. And it's just I think they limited their potential. Not saying that they had a great deal of upside as single stars, but Road Warrior Animal just looks so out of place in 2001 in his Road Warrior shit without his partner. I agree. So Just something that always bothered me. And what's funny here, whoever dubbed this for WWE Network, they used Vince Russo's theme song for Road Warrior Animal, the Iron Man knockoff from uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Really? Yeah, this is what Vince Russo used to come out to. So Hmm. I just thought that was an interesting choice. He's also taking on M.I. Smooth and the Cat, who has a better dub theme. They chose a different dub theme than the one they had been using on the network, and thank God, because... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, they, they ditched that and went with something else. So thank you, whoever, whatever intern has to dub this shit, thank you from me, <laughs> from the bottom of my heart. You, you did us all a very, very well-deserved service. Road Warrior Animal hits a running powerbomb to the cat. Canyon hits a spinning neckbreaker into a bridging-pinning combination. Canyon is still, still a very underrated wrestler, in my opinion, as far as the chances that he took. Now, he failed sometimes at taking his chances when he tried to come up with new versions of moves. But the, I, I always appreciated that he tried. Cat powerbombs Canyon, but doesn't cover him. Miss Jones and distracts Animal, which I don't know how Road Warrior Animal is distracted by a woman. It just seems like Road Warriors don't care about ladies at all. Well, I mean, you never know. They didn't even notice Sunny when she was their manager. 
Uh, so M.I. Smooth then beats down Canyon until Animal saves him, but then Smooth power slams Canyon, gets a near fall. M.I. Smooth pins Canyon for the win. No shit. M.I. Smooth got a win in WCW. The limo driver of the cat gets a big win, and just as I marked out here, you won't know the song, but they used the song, a knockoff of the song Smooth Operator for M.I. Smooth. And whoever dubbed that in, again, thank you. You're speaking to my heart because (laughs) it was awesome. Because, like, oh, his name's M.I. Smooth. Uh, Let me Google royalty free music. Uh, Oh, a smooth operator knockoff. Perfect. Thank you. So I got a laugh out of that. Rick Steiner then heads to the ring as this was my least favorite version of Rick Steiner ever. You don't like me, bite me. I hated this Rick Steiner so much as he desperately wanted to be his brother. And he was going to take on Hugh Morris, Uh who came out with Conan for some reason, but then Conan just disappeared. Did nothing for Hugh Morris during this match. The the, The following words actually came out of Mike Tanay's mouth. Hugh Morris is the heart and soul of the locker room. Hugh Morris. He was. This is very true. Oh, God. (laughs) Such bullshit. Mike Tanay, I can't believe he said it with a straight face. And who told him to say it? And what was the idea? Did Eric Bischoff really think, going forward, Hugh Morris is my guy? It's very true. Rick Steiner. It's very, very true. Rick Steiner without the headgear always bothers me, too. Why is this? Because I love This is not the first time you've said this. I love the headgear. He's the dog-faced gremlin and the dog-faced gremlin with the headgear. At first, when I was a kid, I didn't like it. It made no sense to me. But when I got older, I liked the headgear. I liked him acting like a dog in the barking. Okay. I just... This Just For Men dyed black hair and black goatee... Just, it didn't work for me. Okay. Bulldog off the top, but Morris gets a foot on the ropes. Morris hits a spinning heel kick for a two count. Steiner kicks Morris in the dick after distracting Mickey J. He brings a chair into the ring and just wallops Morris right in front of Mickey J. <laughs> and Mickey J just says, fuck it. You know, we're about to get fired. I'm just going to let the match go. Go. Screw it. Rick gets on the mic then to just. Have a chat in the middle of this match. What are you doing? Stands on the chair, which is on Morris' arm. He calls out Shane Douglas, and then they brawl. Douglas hits Steiner with his cast, which apparently Rick broke, and then Morris beats Rick Steiner with a German suplex. I'm not joking. That's right. Hugh Morris got a win on television on The Last Thunder. Also over Rick Steiner. Yeah, so this happened. <laughs> this was also Rick Steiner and Shane Douglas's final appearances for the company, as they were not included on Nitro either, despite what happens later in the show. that They say they will be there. Card subject to change, my friends. Shane hands a tape to Dave Penzer and leaves. We come back and magically, amazingly, Dave Penzer has run to the back gone to the truck, put the tape in, previewed it to make sure it wasn't like porn or something, (laughs) and we watch it coming back from break. Amazing what he did in two minutes. He is so quick. He is. 
Douglas cuts a promo into the camera, which is out of focus for some reason. Whoever shot this, I don't know if this was... They didn't give a fuck. (laughs) They're getting fired. They just... I'm not going to focus the camera. Just talk. He says he's looking for payback, but he's never going to get it because he wasn't on Nitro. And then he also challenges Ric Flair because he's Shane Douglas and every... Shane Douglas promo has to include a challenge to Ric Flair. He makes a challenge for Nitro between himself and Steiner. Vince had no interest in that, so that did not happen. I would have actually liked to have saw that match. You are the only one outside of... Shane Douglas and Ric Flair? No, it was going to be Rick Steiner and Shane Douglas. Oh, no, I'm talking about Douglas and Flair. Not in 2001. If our fans out there know of this match ever happening... Please. No, that's what I like about it, that it never happened. Please let but me it, know, because I want to see this. But if it happened, then Shane Douglas would have nothing to bitch about. he That's his whole angle, <laughs> is calling out Ric Flair. That is true. Elix Skipper, known for his cage-walking ability in TNA. Dude, he is a phenomenal wrestler. Not just that. I really think he is a great wrestler. And Kid Romeo are here teaming with Chavo to take on Rey Mysterio, who comes out wearing half a mask, as I guess he missed his mask at this point and was trying to transition back into it. Shane Helms and Billy Kidman. And sadly, they dub over uh, Sugar Shane Helms' Vertebraker theme song. Chavo would challenge Helms on the final Nitro for the Cruiserweight belt, so this would continue. And the Filthy Animals would take on Skipper and Romeo. So these actually, these feuds continued into final nitro ray hits a tope con hilo out the skipper chavo then suicide dives onto ray sugar shane helms hits a crossbody to chavo then kid romeo clothesline shane from the buckle then finally kidman i thought he was going to do his signature uh shooting star press out to them but he just hits a pescado and takes out everybody skipper hits a dragon suplex to the back of ray's head ouch the heels and beat down Ray behind the ref's back. Chavo does the gory special to Mysterio while the heels beat on him. Ray slows down the assault with a tornado DDT to Kid Romeo. Shane Helms comes in, runs wild. He botches a move to Kid Romeo. So Kidman drops an elbow. Chavo stops the count. Skipper missile drop kicks Kidman. Ray hits the Bronco Buster, which I hate that move, and I hate that Ray used it. Glad he doesn't do it anymore. And then Ray takes Skipper to the floor. We get a vertebraker to Kid Romeo, but it's broken up by Chavo, as I think if he had hit this to Kid Romeo, Kid Romeo's inexperience would have caused him to break his neck. He would have had broken vertebrae. Kid Romeo hits the last kiss, but Kidman reverses it into the Kid Crusher or the Leaping Unprettier and gets the win for the faces so this was a decent match but not nearly as good as the cruiserweight tag we saw opening the night which is shocking because uh ray mysterio billy kidman all the guys chavo in this match elix skipper everyone except kid romeo in this match really really good and to be outdone by those upstarts basically in the first match kind of embarrassing yes but those guys were a lot hungrier than these guys. They were. See, so, these guys had it made they had, or thought they did and were... They knew that they would be okay. Yes. Most of them. Exactly. I mean, outside of Kid Romeo and Skipper. I mean, Skipper eventually did end up in TNA, but you know, the faces, Chavo, Ray, and Kidman, were gonna, they were going to be just fine. 
So why go out there and break your neck? Palumbo and O'Hare backstage in the dark, which I guess is <laughs> this is pretty appropriate. Maybe the lights got cut off. Uh, WCW couldn't pay the power bill here in the last couple of weeks. I thought O'Hare was cutting the promo, but it was Palumbo, and O'Hare was in the background, so I was really confused. They cut a promo on Mike Awesome and Lance Storm, as Palumbo is going to face Mike Awesome in a singles match tonight, and they warn, if your partner gets involved, my partner's going to get involved, which, why do you have to say that? Isn't that just kind of assumed? Anyway, Mike Awesome comes out without his mullet, the Canadian killer is out to take on Palumbo, even though I was certain, like I said, I thought that O'Hare was cutting the promo, so I was kind of confused, but no, Palumbo was taking on Mike Awesome, and Mike Awesome wins the Lex Luger, uh, Roydy Magoo, Scott Putsky Award of the night because this guy was bursting, and this is the show that had Scott Steiner on it later on in the night. <laughs> but fucking Mike Awesome was in... <laughs> He was just massive. Just in he's already a massive dude like tall wise like holy shit. Like I would have been scared to just get in the ring with this guy just and just as dangerous as he is too and now he's like super shredder like holy shit. And Palumbo, he wasn't far behind. These are just two roidy fucking monsters. Palumbo was a really jacked up dude. Awesome hits a springboard clothesline out to Palumbo on the floor. As one thing I always liked about Mike Awesome did not wrestle like a big man, which I think is one one reason that Vince didn't like him. That and his attitude problems and everything else. But the fact that this dude wrestled like a cruiserweight sometimes was just not going to fly in the WWF. They brawl on the outside, and Palumbo rocks Awesome with a chair shot after blocking one. He fucking no-sells a blocked chair shot. Even, I know it hit his hands, but Patrick, you don't just take a chair shot and just, oh, just shake that off. And then hit him with one. But Palumbo, that's what he did tonight. Well, yeah, I mean, he's got a... They've both got... He's got a no-sell nothing and look like a million dollars doing it because... He needs a job. He needs a job. Awesome knew he probably wasn't getting a job. Palumbo thought there's still well, a chance he, for me. He he had a he they he was brought in originally with the alliance and was immediately fired. He had a cup of coffee, but yeah. Palumbo hits a belly to belly and a drop kick, flying shoulder block. It's a near fall for Palumbo. Reverse elbow slows Palumbo down. Alabama slam from Awesome gets a two count. Awesome misses a frog splash, which looked insane. Landstorm then runs down. As, as predicted, and beats Palumbo down, which the ref lets go. He's already let chair shots go, so this might as well go too. Awesome hits a release German suplex as Lance Storm and O'Hare then start to brawl around the ring. O'Hare stops Awesome long enough to allow Palumbo to power slam Mike Awesome and super kick him and get the win. And Lance Storm looks like a fool here as he actually ran down first to interfere and still couldn't get his guy the win. So this was a, just a match that, that happened. Didn't see much in O'Hare or Palumbo. Always liked Lance Storm and Mike Awesome, but yeah, not much to say about this match. 
it was the worst match of the night, and I really hate saying that. But yeah, I think the main event gives it a run for its money. Do you really? I now? think it's close. Okay. Jarrett and Big Papa Pump with his head freak Medeja are out to take on Dustin Rhodes. Listen up, slap nuts. <laughs> You're gonna be just like your old man's career, dead. Which this is really weird to hear now that Dusty has passed away. Cause yes. It's just weird. Steiner says he's beaten Booker T and he'll beat him again on Monday. So this is actually something that did happen on Monday. I mean, this match anyway. We go backstage and Road Warrior Animal discovers Ric Flair has been laid out, which we never got a conclusion to, sadly. So this just happened. Dustin comes out, starts with Jarrett. Dustin goes for the Shattered Dreams immediately, but Steiner stops him. Steiner does his elbow drop and push-ups, and the heels just stomp Dustin down. Dustin small packages Jarrett, but Nick Patrick was distracted. Of course, Nick Patrick is calling the last match on Thunder. Just perfect. (laughs) Steiner, he also loses focus, starts jawing with fans, doesn't give a fuck about the match, would rather get in fans' faces. Steiner nails Dustin with a big-ass pipe. As if Scott Steiner needs a weapon. He's got massive fucking arms. Steiner recliner and Dustin passes out, obviously, from being knocked out with a pipe. So the babyface who was outnumbered by the heels loses. A perfect way to end Thunder with terrible booking because then Booker T, after watching his good friend Dustin get totally decimated, then decides, you know what? I think I'm going to do something about this. So Booker T runs in, cleans house. Would have been nice if he was there a little earlier, but I guess better late than never, right? (laughs) Booker says in another bad promo, which certainly instilled no confidence in him getting a job, he got very lucky, and Vince must have not heard this promo. But he basically says nothing and finishes with his catchphrase, don't hate the player, hate the game, which in wrestling makes zero sense. And then our final goodbye to Thunder, our show that's been on since 1998, so a three-year run. Here is how we end, not a montage of its greatest memories or matches or moments, which we've talked about it before. There was about four total, yes. I think. Yes. Um, none of that. No. Uh, no former champions saying goodbye. No long soliloquy from Tony or Mike Tanay. Tony simply says, Hey, it's been a great ride on Thunder. See you on Monday night. Then we get a shot of the production crew with the word thanks written under it. Wow. So did they know that this was the last Thunder? Yes, Thunder was going away regardless of whether Nitro found... A new home or not? Well, Nitro Fusion had the deal in place to only keep Nitro. Thunder was getting canned. So th- this was it. Thunder. Yeah, was they gone. they knew. The staff knew that Thunder was done. They called it a season finale earlier in the thing. I guess maybe in hopes that hell, if Nitro gets back off its feet, we can bring this back or whatever. Right. But yeah, the staff knew this was this was it for Thunder. So okay. Um. Actually, I'm not so down on this show um, beyond 
I love the first two matches on this show. Actually, I was, I did, I wanted to see if there were some hidden gems in to be found on this show, and I think the first two matches are actually really good. And that's it. That is what I found on this show, and to see a young AJ Styles, I think is really interesting, and. That's about all I can recommend to you I, about yeah, this show yeah. are the first two matches. And people that are... I mean, Ric Flair, the greatest promo of all time, delivers a stinker. And... That's because he just flat out didn't give a oh, shit. Oh, no, yeah. You can tell. This is a dying company, and he, no one cares. He's out, yeah. And you could see it all through the night. And you could see the guys that wanted to continue wrestling for some company yeah. and the effort they made. And you could see the guys that knew that this is probably it for me. And they gave, they delivered that kind of effort. So yeah. what did you think of this episode of Thunder? Uh, it was a 2000. That, I mean, how else can you sum it up except that, really? That just the young kids brought it. They wanted it. They were after it. And everyone with guaranteed money just was like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, we gave it our best shot. We lost. It's over. Yeah. So, kind of a bittersweet uh, show because, I mean, it's cool to see young stars that, like Kaz Hayashi and Jimmy Yang and AJ Styles, who, you know, you see so much potential in. But at the same time, you know that... And Kid Cash, I mean, like, showing up, (laughs) having his first and last match on the same night, it's kind of sad. But it is cool that they they made it. I mean, even if they had never wrestled... Even if AJ Styles had never wrestled another match again, he made it to the big time. So I guess that's something. Yeah. But, yeah. This was pretty bad. And... Final Nitro is a million times better than it. Even with all the Vince promos and all that shit and <laughs> popping the champagne bottle and all that garbage with Trish and this. Uh, but it makes... That's like a work of art compared to this <laughs> Thunder. But Thunder was always a bastard child. It was. And it really was. Bischoff has said numerous, numerous times that he knew it was going to be a disaster from day one. And that he did not want them to do it and that when they tried to do it the goal was to have Bret Hart be the lead on Thunder and Hogan be the lead on Nitro and build what we have today in the WWE with Raw and SmackDown being two distinct brands and we know what that that didn't happen yeah so on our rating scale, Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, the final episode of WCW Thunder. Patrick, I don't think we ever have to go back to Thunder again. I think we've seen, well, there's one episode of Thunder, I think, that I'd still check out. But I'll save that for another day. I won't spoil it. But on our rating scale, of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez. I've, I've given this, uh, this rating before, and I guess I'm going to give it again. It's a... Uh, Former world's champion, David Arquette. Oh, in honor of Thunder, that's a very nice rating. I'm going to give this one an Air Paris. No. Because because he was a small guy? He was. Talented. Talented. He made the mistake of having 
one of the best wrestlers ever as his tag team partner. That's um, it. Really sucks because <laughs> it doesn't matter how good you look, that motherfucker's making you look like right. shit. <laughs> I love. It's like I love Jim Neidhart, but he just happened to pair up with one of the best technical wrestlers of all time as his partner. Yes. I mean, sorry, yes. Air Paris. It. it I just, mean, there's or Marty Jannetty. I mean, the list goes on and on. Like, damn. I mean, that's true. He is the Marty Jannetty of that team. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think he's doing much better. Which I like Marty. I don't know I why know, everybody I, shits I, on Marty. But. I think there was potential there. I like. Marty. Um, so yeah, it just it's unfortunate that he just happened to team up with who I think is, I still to this day might be the greatest living pro wrestler. That's active. I mean, I agree. All right, Patrick. Uh, I'm not making any guarantees. We record before the end of 2019, but it is your pick, and so I'll go ahead and we can get it in the books and get it on record, and uh, we'll see what happens. I need your help. Okay. I've been trying to find it, and I still cannot fucking find it. When Vince tried doing Nitro, when it was half raw then half nitro the oh you're talking about the infamous tacoma washington I think, episode of I raw think, where it was bagwell and yes okay yeah i'll look it you up know what I, I can't yeah. find it because they was, actually they actually did this twice they did one on smackdown too i oh, forgot for who real. was involved in that one but so patrick you want to see the night that wcw was unveiled they decided yes. to give the main event of Raw to WCW, they brought in Scott Hudson, Arn Anderson, and Stacy Keebler as the ring announcer, and then they brought out their world champion Booker T to take on Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Yes, in the main event in Tacoma, Washington, at Raw, July second, two thousand one. So just a few months removed from Final Nitro, they go ahead and say. Let's give this a shot. Well, Bagwell was on the Austin podcast, and I listened to it, not for Bagwell, but I wanted to hear him talk about Lex Luger. I don't know. I was going through a weird day, and I just wanted to <laughs> listen about like Lex Luger. I just get in the mind of Lex Luger. You and just wanted to shit on Luger. Don't lie. Go on. No, but I, I knew that Bagwell was close with, with Lex Luger. I mean, they were they were... They carpooled together with Sting in WCW, I mean. Yeah. Um, and lived in Atlanta together basically yeah. um, but the thing that Bagwell says on there is like why the fuck couldn't they have waited one more week because Raw the very next week was in Atlanta Georgia oh damn and instead of doing it in Atlanta they did it in Tacoma so they could have done it in WCW's home base and had a chance to get a good reception. Had a chance. I'm not saying it would have worked. Yeah. I don't think it would have worked anywhere. Because this was half raw, and then the second half was uh, Nitro. No, right? it, it was three-fourths raw. They only gave them the main event. Oh, okay. Shane invoked some sort of clause that said, okay. I get the last segment of Raw. Okay. And so JR and King get kicked out. The ring skirt gets changed. The graphics get changed. The whole I nine mean, yards. 
Whole nine yards, yeah. And they did it on SmackDown, too. I don't remember where but that... But this was it. This was the only time. The only time on Raw. And then they did it on SmackDown afterwards, saying, I think. This yeah. was the only... This is the more remembered one. Yes. It's one thing for the crowd to not respond in the way you want to. Yes. But then to have Vince do what he did to them at the end of the match. He killed... He killed any potential this had by himself. Like, his... What a stupid thing to introduce this idea and then, like, shoot it in the head. Yes. Right away. Yes. And when we watch it, we'll obviously talk. It's very... It's a very, it's very famous. It is, uh, to it say is. the least. It's one of those. You said that. Well, we were doing. We've done the last nitro. We were. We just did the last thunder, and you talked about a New Year's. You know, we're, we might be after New Year's or whatever. I felt like, well, we need a little boost, and maybe we're going to see WCW again. So here's our <laughs> boost. Here's yeah, our I'm boost. sure. I'm sure there were people that. When WCW died and they had heard that WWF bought it, I'm sure, and I don't think this was announced in advance. I don't think this was promoted the week before. I mean, I'll have to double check that. So even those fans, even those lapsed fans that want their WCW wouldn't have even known to tune in. No. Or buy a ticket. Yeah. So, yeah. Just, it's funny because... Vince booked this like WCW would have booked this. And it I was, think it was he, so, he did it just to shit on the company one last time. I really believe so. Well, it's, it, it then turned into the alliance, which was a, a moderately successful... It, that alliance pay-per-view was actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. Now, where it ended up at Survivor Series, I don't think was very good. Like It fell apart when you yeah. had wrestlers... When you had like Austin crossing over and stuff like that, angle crossing, yeah, it just it really felt the Rock is suddenly the WCW champion. It really fell apart. Yeah, but yeah, we'll we'll have plenty to say <laughs> about this one. Uh, so good pick, and uh, look forward to uh, reviewing it with you, whether it be this year or next. And uh, if I don't see you before, then have a good holiday. You too. And. Uh, it's not, like, it's not like we'll probably see each other, just not in a public forum like this. Not working. Not working, yeah. yeah. So uh, that'll do it for this week. As always, go to powerslam.tv, use the promo code Retro Wrestling, and get a month for free. It's only $5.99 to subscribe anyway, but hey, have a month on us. That'll do it for this week. I'm intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. And bingo, bango.